you have your copy of your word of God, turn to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Life is wonderful when life is filled with good relationships, right? Anybody awake? So you think life is good when it's filled with bad relationships? No, no. See, see, it's the relationships that we have in life. You see, you can have everything under the sun, but if you have no relationships with any individual or any other person, it doesn't have the same meaning. It's just kind of empty. And, and so life is about relationships. And relationships sometimes go through difficult times and difficult challenges, right? As a child, did you ever cause your parents any grief? All right, about five honest people. And, and, and the stress came in the relationship. But then there was this, this, this forgiveness, this mercy that was extended. And, and somehow it seemed like everything was fine. And, and we had this wonderful relationship. In your marriage, have you ever had a stressful moment because of your spouse? You don't have to jump up and down, but you know <laughs> See, see, it's about relationships and understanding relationship, how you are to live in relationship with others. Now, now I shared a dog tale yesterday for the first time in a month, and I talked about Maverick, my dog, going to my son's house and fitting in with his four dogs, four large dogs. Maverick's not the, not the alpha dog there. He shows up, he's there, he finds his place. They have a relationship. Now it helps that Maggie's his girlfriend. But they, Gabby, I'm sorry, they have a good time together. They have a relationship. They fun, they frolic, they play. Do you understand that God wants a relationship with you that's fun? Now I'm not saying frivolous. I'm saying something that you enjoy when I use that word fun. But one thing you have to understand in a relationship with God, he's God and you're not, right? I understand my father. He's my father. And when I was a young child, I feared him. Now I fear him with respect. And it's the same thing with Almighty God. He is God and I fear him, but I fear him as I grow with this relationship in an intimacy, in a relationship within him, with him. And it's, it's the relationship that he desires. Now, now look what it says in the book of James chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. I hope you'll come back tonight. I know that's asking a lot of you. But tonight I'm going to share with you probably one of my heart's desires about revival. I shared a little bit last week when Charlotte and I, we came back from Wales. We visited Mariah Chapel where the Welsh revival sparked in 1904 and over 100,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to share a little bit more. I shared briefly about the Hebrides revival that took place in 1949 to 1953. And that's my desire to go there next at some point. But I'm going to share with you what transpired, how that came about tonight in the context of revival. Because you see, James is a revival revival passage right here. It's probably one of the greatest revival passages in all the Bible. Look what it says in verse 7 of chapter 4. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you find that easy to resist the devil? Sometimes it's easier than others. 
But the whole key is the first part of the verse. If I'm not submitting myself to God, I'm not resisting the devil. If I'm not submitting myself to God, I won't resist the devil. So everything about your walk with Christ starts with you understanding, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Now verse 8 is a great promise. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Can you say that with me? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isn't that a good promise? Isn't that a good verse? That's a revival verse. That's a personal promise that God is giving to you. And if you don't make the word of God personal to you, it will not affect you. It will not impact your life. It won't make any difference in your life. And you remember last week, the problem that was going on with the church or or the people here that was this book was written to, they were not letting the word of God change them because they were not responding to what the word of God said. He said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. Man, that's a good promise, isn't it? Do you struggle with humbling yourself? You do understand that, that, that sometimes we say, God, humble me. And you understand the difference between me humbling myself and God humbling me. It's this concept of humiliation. You ever been humiliated? See, see, when God has to humble us, it can look like humiliation. But the choice is you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. You bring yourself in submission to what Jesus Christ has asked us to do. You see, I wrote a little note in my Bible. It says repentance is humility in action. So you've got this great promise. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and he will what? Beat you down? Is that what it says? It says he will lift you up. Isn't that what we're desiring? We're saying, God, I'm struggling. God, I'm dealing with difficulties. God, I'm challenged. And God says, if you humble yourself, if you draw near to He says, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to encourage you. Is that what you're needing in life? We need that, that, that word of God to come into us and to be real into our lives. And we need God to take and lift us up. We need God to encourage us. But, but here's my point. See, see, God is ready. God is willing. He is eager. If you will draw near to God, he promises. He said, I want you to be close to me. And if you will lean into me, if you will look towards me, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Isn't that what we want? We want the presence of Almighty God, the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ, to work, to reach, to touch inside our lives and to to, to, to lift us up. And when he lifts us up, what happens is he gives us this security. (laughs) He, he, He envelops us with his love. He envelops us with his mercy. He envelops us with his grace. And we have a confidence, not in ourselves, not in our name, not in what we can, but we have a confidence in the very person of Christ. And he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. 
you remember what it was like to be lost? Do you remember what it was like to be found when God's grace came into your life and he forgave you and you knew I am forgiven. My sins are washed away. They're put under the blood of Christ. And he just changed you from the inside out. Draw near to God. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. Look how it reads in the Old Testament. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. This is another revival promise. It says, turn unto me and I will turn unto you. Isn't that a great verse? It says the same thing. Look what it says in Malachi, chapter 3, and verse 7. Return to me and I will return to you. God wants you to be close to him. God wants you to be in relationship with him that is abiding. That is fruitful. God wants you walking with him. And that's what revival is all about. It's walking with God with new life. It's walking with God with a new vigor. It's walking with God in a spiritual health. And God says, I am the God of new beginnings. Everybody want to do over sometimes in life. Sometimes we think we can't get a do over. But the Bible says... God will give you a brand new start. Isn't that good? You see, you may have blown it in 2018, but God comes out with a brand new year, right? 2019. And you may have blown it the first six months of the 2019, and you may be blowing it the first seventh month, but God starts with a new month, right? God actually starts with a new week. That's tomorrow. God actually starts with a new day. See, every 24 hours, we have a brand new day. Every seven days, we get a brand new week. Every 30, 31 days, we get a brand new month. Every 365 days, we get a brand new year. And God says, if you'll draw near to me, I offer you a brand new start. You don't have to keep on where you are. You don't have to stay in the rut that you're living in. You draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Lamentations chapter 3 says God is faithful. His mercies are new every day. See, see, but you can't play God. You ever play your parents when you were young? You ever, you ever just come to them thinking, yeah, I pulled that over on mom and dad. Let me tell you something. You can't pull one over on God because he knows your heart. He knows if you're lying. He knows if you're trying to manipulate him. He knows if you're trying to stall. But he also knows when your heart is desperate and ripe and tender towards him. And so when he says, draw nigh to God, he, he says, it's the, it's the genuineness of your heart. How many of y'all know who Mickey Mouse is? Y'all show more hands for Mickey Mouse than for sin, so I'm getting to wonder here. But anyway, Mickey Mouse, you know what he looks like, don't you? You know what he sounds like, don't you? Who invented Mickey Mouse? Walt Disney. And he took this character and he used the word animation, right? He put life into Mickey Mouse. Now, you know as well as I do that Mickey Mouse is not alive. I hope you know that, don't you? (laughs) But he animated him. 
And now we recognize Mickey across the world. And see, God says, if you draw near to me, I will animate you. I will draw near to you. I will give life. That's what revival is. It's God giving his life in your body. It's God giving his power in your body. It's God giving his will in your life. God will animate us. God will give us life. And that's what revival is about. It's drawing near to God. Putting ourselves in that position where we humble ourselves. And he lifts us up. And he gives us his life. See, and that's what people are looking for. They're looking for fun. They're looking for really having life experiences. But it never happens except in Jesus Christ. And you can go here and you can busy yourself there. And you can say, oh, you've never lived until you've had this experience. Let me tell you something. Until you meet Jesus Christ and you find yourself being born again by his power and by his blood. You don't know what life is. You don't know what joy is. You don't know what peace is. Why? Because only Christ can give life and joy and peace. See, see, and it doesn't wear away. When it wears off, we say, well, I've got to find something else. i got to find something else. You, Jesus doesn't wear off, and if he did, you never got him. You've got this fake Jesus that's been paraded all over America today, and there is a fake Jesus out there, guys. It's not the real thing. He doesn't require anything of you. He just loves you as you are. But hear me, my Bible tells me that the grace of God, it will save us and it will change us. It will change me from a reprobate sinner to a person who has a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, who has a desire in my heart to live for him and to live for his glory. Why? Because one day when that last trumpet sounds, we all will rise and the dead will rise first. And those who know him will go to be with him, to meet him in the air. And forever we will be with him, exalting him in glory. But if you don't know him... You say, when I say, Father, Father, we, 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 we preached in your name. We cast out devils in your name. And the saddest words in the Bible is what Jesus said. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Life is short. Have you realized that yet? Yesterday, I was 16 years old. Look at me. <laughs> it ain't that funny. Life is short. Eternity. Is that a long time? No, eternity's not even about time. It's forever, forever. And so Jesus, God, through his word is saying, he says, draw near to me. And, and so apparently there's things that can, can work in your life that draw you away from God. And, and so that's what we want to look at. See, see, you can come to a place in your life where you don't love Christ like you once loved Christ. You don't love the Word of God like you once loved the Word of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And He's the person of Jesus Christ. And, and you don't love God like you once loved Jesus Christ. And you can grow cold and you can grow complacent and you can grow indifferent. And you've allowed the things of life, the things of the world to distract you. And it distracts you and it gives your time and it gets your attention. And next and you know, you've pulled yourself away and you're no longer where you were and you, you find yourself, you have failed as a dad. You have failed as a husband. You have failed as a mother. You have failed as a wife. You have failed as a churchman, as a churchwoman. You have failed in all these areas in your life and, and you say, what's happened? Well, you've let something draw you away. Something takes the place of Christ. I had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, my mom, my grandparents rather got saved when I was just a little bitty boy. I was probably three or four years old. 
And when they got saved, they got radically saved. And he said, I grew up in a church all through grade school until about the fifth grade. And then there was a church split. Now, you all don't know nothing about church splits, do you? Or fights, do you? And my grandmother cussed the pastor's wife out in the church house. And we didn't go back to church after that. And he said, so from my formative years, fifth grade, sixth grade, junior high, high school, we didn't have anything to do with church. And so when I should have been hearing the gospel songs, the gospel messages, we weren't in church. Something drew them away. Now, I hope it's not a church split and you cuss my wife out. But events happen in life, do they not? That can draw us away from from God. You can go through a death and never get over it because you don't understand the whys and the reasoning and nobody can explain it to you because we don't understand it either. But it, but it caused you to, 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 to turn your, your back towards God and turn away from the church, the body of Christ. Because you just don't understand it. And if God really loved you, he wouldn't have allowed that to happen. You can go through a disagreement with somebody. And all of a sudden, because of that event, you can find yourself drawn away. And if they're going there, I'm not going there. I knew people who... Got upset with a preacher one time years ago. Not me. Not that that's not possible. But they left church. And they said, we'll be back when he's gone. Well, he stayed like 15 years. You think you can get cold after 15 years waiting on him to go? Yeah. Some people go through divorce. And this event in their life. That... Drives them away because the pain that they're going through, the the lack of understanding, the hurt that they're experiencing, they don't understand. And so it drives them away and they draw away from God. It it says in in chapter 1 of the book of James, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. When you face various trials, he said, count it joy. Now, that doesn't make sense on the surface level. But see, that's what the Word of God is saying. And see, they're not being responsive to what the Word of God, God has said. And, so, and so, so, so you go through experiences, you have events in your life, and, and it seems to draw you away. And bitterness comes into your heart. And, and bitterness starts to project out of your mouth and out of your mind. And anger settles inside of you. And something happens. And you grow calloused and indifferent. And, and I don't care. I knew a man in Tennessee, he, he got mad at church and he left. For, he said, I was going to be gone a short while. So this is what he told me after the fact. He said, I, I just meant to go away for a few, few Sundays. 20 years later, he came back to church. What happens in 20 years? You raise your kids. Without a godly father. 
You hear me? You raise your kids to see disobedience. And so for 20 years, he, 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 he stubbed up and, and said, I, I'm not. And, and then when he was trying to get back right with God, he sat in my office and he said, I just can't. He said, I just don't have that same feeling I had 20 years ago. Duh. You're not the same man you were 20 years ago. See, things can draw us away. There was this Christian family. They walked into to the, to the hospital. They were going to do an ultrasound. They were having like their fifth child. They had their, their children with them. They had the mother-in-law with them. They, they were sitting there and the ultrasound technician, they were, they were all excited and, 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 and giddy. And the, the ultrasound technician was, was doing that little thing right there. And all of a sudden she said, you need to take all the kids out of the room. He says, I don't have a heartbeat. And, and there was a, a fetal death had taken place. And this was a godly Christian family that were raising their kids to, to fear God, to walk with God. They, they had them in church. They had them memorizing verses of Scripture. They had them singing the songs of praise unto Christ. And, and all of a sudden... Out of the blue, you have this experience where, where you have a fetal death that took place. And, and, and next door was, was another room. And, and, and the couple in there, they had a beautiful baby boy. But these, this couple wasn't even married. This couple, they smell like cigarette smoke every time they walk past them. But their baby lived and theirs didn't. And this was the godly couple. And this couple said... We had to make a choice. Would we be bitter? Or would we still be faithful to our God? And they chose to be faithful to their God. Amidst the pain. Amidst the unanswered question. Amidst the, the, the confusion. See, and, and, and that's life in general. You have to make choices every single day. How will you let this experience impact you? Will it drive you to your knees or will it drive you away? And so, so God is saying, draw near to me. Lean into me. I will draw near to you. Humble yourself. And I will. I will lift you up. I will get hold of you. I will touch you. And I will lift you up. Man, isn't that a great word of God? Because we live in an age and a society where people are desperate for, for, for Christ to be real. So what is it that you are allowing to draw you away? A job loss? A, a prodigal child? Someone in your family gone into homosexuality? A divorce, a death? You were wrongly accused of something? You got a family situation you don't understand? See, the events of life, they, they, they try to draw you away. Why? Because the devil wants you. And that's what he uses to, to try you away, drive you away. The enticement of sin, not only the events of life, but the enticement of sin can draw you away. Look at James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But 
when every man is tempted, when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, events in life can can, can draw you away. But the enticement of sin can, can draw you away also. Anybody been enticed by sin this week? Anybody see a billboard that was provocative this week? Anybody see a billboard that says, just drink it all up and you'll have it all, but it doesn't sell you the broken homes and the ruined lives and families? The entice, oh, the good life. No. Anybody flip on the television and say, well, if my wife looked like that, lies about you. The enticement of sin. It, it lures us. Or you turn on TV and say, if my husband looked like that, I... See, that's what sin does. It entices us. Because we are flesh. And in my body dwelleth no good thing. And every day I have the job, the responsibility to put off the old man. And every day put on the new man, Christ Jesus. How many of y'all remember the name W.A. Criswell? He was a pastor of First Baptist Church of of Dallas, Texas for over 50 years. He was born in 1909 and he died in 2002. He was over 92 years of age. But he pastored First Baptist Church, Dallas, a great church, a large church, a blessed church for over 50 years. He wrote several books. In one of his books, he told a story about a movie star in his day. He told about this guy who who was a cowboy in his day and a movie star but he said I never saw this guy on the screen now why wouldn't he he knew who this movie star was because you know they're in comic books and everything but you never saw him on the big screen why because in those days Baptist boys did not go to movies now why would they not go to movies because it would pollute your mind now it's not like that today is it We're so much advanced beyond the 1930s and 40s, right? That we can go to movies and we don't have to worry about curse words and explicit things being seen and shown on there. There's no sexual innuendos. Y'all get these magazines called Better Homes and Gardens. You know what that is? This is yes. That means it's better than what you got. And it's breeding in you discontentment. Isn't it? I want that. Why? Because that's what's good. This better homes tells me my home's not better. See, that's, it, that, that's the subtleness. Where it entices us away. And, and, and we live in a time where where there's so much things filling the airways. I mean, the technology that, that we have today compared to what W.A. Criswell had, it's not even comparable, right? Social media, it consumes us. And, and, and we look at this stuff and it fills our mind. Do you understand that the, the first instant 
where a, a kid sees pornography is usually at the age of nine. Do you understand that the porn industry puts millions of dollars to study algorithms that come across the internet and they're examining where you have been, what you have looked at, and then they have the ability to, to put something to your email or to get in front of you and you're saying, where did that come from? Because they're going to entice you away. I can handle it. Well, you're a fool. Because ain't nobody can handle it. And as you, if you're born again, our Heavenly Father, He's saying, if you'll draw near to me, I will. I'll get the attention of Almighty God and He will on my behalf. Whether you do it or not, He will. Whether I do it or you or not, He will on your behalf. I will draw near to you. And if you will humble yourself, submit yourself to the authority of the Word of God, He says, I will lift you up. A few years ago in East Tennessee, we watched WBIR news. And I thought this was the silliest story that they had. They advertised, we're going to do a five-day news story where we've got people shut off from their cell phone and from the internet, and we're going to see how it affects them after five days. I said, well, come visit my dad. It don't affect him one bit. But they made this big thing. You can use your landline, but you can't use social media. You can't use your cell phone. You can't get on the internet and just see how best people cannot function. Now, I know for some people that would be a terrible situation. But they're talking about how depressed people get and how, and I think... Tell me about your walk with Jesus, guys. Because there's more people passionate about their cell phone and about internet than they are about Christ. And the Bible says, you draw near to me, and I will. You humble yourself before me, and I will lift you up. Man, that's a word of promise. That's a blessed hope that we have. You see, and, and that's what we have to understand. There is a way to draw near to God. And, and this is what it says in verse 6 of chapter 4 of the book of James. It says, humble, but God gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It takes humility to draw near to God. And what the humility is, is where you get before the Father and you say, God, I've got a mess going on. God, I've got a situation going on. God, I'm addicted and I need help. God, I've got this besetting sin in my life and I just can't seem to get ahead of it. God, I've got this issue going on. It takes humility and humility requires honesty. Well, you get honest. Well, you mean... Lord, I'm not on fire like I once to be on, used to be on fire. 
Y'all know anybody used to be on fire for Jesus, but now they're they definitely not on fire for Jesus? What happened? Stuff. Events. The enticement of sin. Get honest where you are. Look to Christ. Get conscious of God and what God's word says. And say, God, I admit I do not love you like I once loved you. And in verse 7, submit yourself to God. How did you get saved? Surrender. I surrender, Jesus. And now it's, I praise you, Jesus. <laughs> kind of look like the same position, don't they? You gotta surrender. And, and that's that's the missing word. There was a there was a Polish pastor who, who had gone through severe persecution in Poland. He came to the States and he made the comment. He said, You all have lost the word in your vocabulary that used to be here, but you don't hear. Now we just rededicate. Oh, you're rededicating. He said, You don't use the word surrender. And see, that, that's the whole key. It's this absolute surrender of your life to Christ. And, and the way you have to do it, you say, God, I'm going to adjust myself to you. I'm willing to change, God. God, I, I, I'm bitter and I'm tired of bitterness. It's eating me up. God, by faith, I stop. I commit it to you. God, I'm addicted. I can't handle this any longer. By faith, I commit this to you. I surrender. God, I'm worldly. I, I can't keep on doing this stuff, trying to live in both worlds. I, I, by faith, I stop. God, I'm too stinking busy. I don't have time to go to church. I don't, I'm not able to give like I need to give. I want to give. God, I, I have to stop. God, my family's a mess. God, I know I'm not right. That's a good place to start. Where you get honest. So you got to have. Humble yourself. You submit yourself. And then look what it says in verse 8. Cleanse your hands you sinners. And purify your hearts you double mind. You get a fresh cleansing from God. What can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. you believe that? If you don't, you never met him. You say, here I am, Father. There's two words in the Bible. One is called consecration. And one is called sanctification. And I could be wrong on this, but I look at consecration as what I have to do. I consecrate myself. I position myself. And then God sanctifies me. But if I don't set myself apart for him in consecration, I never know his sanctification working in my life. This book was written to Christians. And he's talking to the church. So there's things that can draw you away from God, but you can also draw near to God. But you've got to make a responsibility or a response what he's saying. Look what it says in verse 9 and 10. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. 
Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. So that's the invitation. How will you respond? Do you need a fresh touch? Do you need a fresh cleansing? Will you position yourself to say, God, here I am. I've got so much stuff. And then you start telling him what your stuff is. And say, by faith, I humble myself. I call sin, sin. I'm going to adjust myself to your word and submit to you. God, I need you. Work a fresh work in my heart. And then when you leave here, you come back here quickly. Because you need this place. And you let God breathe into you what his word is. So bow your heads and close your eyes. Is God inviting you right now to draw near? And maybe you're here and you're as close to Jesus as you've ever been. I hope so. But if you're not, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. But that requires something on our half. The response. Maybe you're here and you know you're lost. You know you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You, you know if you die tonight, you will go straight to hell. You don't have to. That's the good news. Because on Calvary's tree, on the cross, Jesus died for your sin. He took the punishment of your sin and he bore it. But you have to receive the gift that he extends. And the way we receive the gift of grace is by submitting, surrendering ourselves to him. Asking his forgiveness. Receiving by faith what his word says, if you call on me, I will save you. And he'll forgive you. And he'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And he'll give you his joy, his peace. Lost man, lost woman, boy or girl, you need to be saved today. Church member, have you drawn away from God? Or are you drawing close? Father, as we pray right now, I pray you stir hearts.